one which has been chosen by our elders for family visitation. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Surely He will deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but... It shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder. The young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. The first two verses are our text. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, in this psalm we are taught that God watches over the safety of his people. And God never fails them. No matter what dangers threaten in our lives, we are encouraged that we can advance in our pilgrimage, though it be set with all kinds of perils and threats, secure in the confidence of God's protection. What a powerful truth that we may, and what a powerful truth that we must use. 
You see, many people talk about God's providence. They even believe that God exercises a special guardianship over his own children. But how few are found actually willing to trust their safety and their whole life to God. Question to myself, question to you, are you? Are you willing to trust your safety, your life to God? What safety, what happiness result from the knowledge of God and his promises? Promises that are new every morning, promises that never fail, You and I need to exercise a steadfast dependence, dependence upon God's promises and God's grace. And oh, the deadness of the soul of those who have only the emotions of spiritual and heavenly diet that fails to be impressed by that truth. God is God. He is our refuge, our strength, our high tower, our fortress. Oh, that soul that looks elsewhere for their hope in life or their safety. For there is no peace, there's no tranquility of mind for those who trust in themselves or who trust in other worldly things. What we have here in Psalm 91 is a spirit-inspired confession of faith. It's by a man who teaches it because he himself has personally experienced it. Did you see that in the text? The first two verses, Moses is speaking about his own experience. And then verses 3 all the way through verse 13, he's applying it to God's people. And finally, in those last verses, verses 14 through 16, you have God speaking of what he is going to do. So Moses is able to teach this because he has first of all experienced it himself. And that is necessary for someone that's going to be a teacher, isn't it? For we cannot communicate true knowledge unless... We deliver it not only with lips, but as something which God has revealed in our hearts and in our lives. And the psalmist in in verse 2 here is showing his own experience, isn't he? I, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress and my God. In him will I trust. So what he is telling us in verse 91, he backs up with his own experience. Now who is that man? We're not told at the beginning of the psalm, but most likely it is Moses. I say most likely it's Moses because Psalm 90, just before it, is a psalm of Moses, the man of God. And much of the language and same terminology from Psalm 90 carries over into Psalm 91. 
Think a moment, boys and girls, of Moses. He goes as a young baby, young boy, from a secure home to the pagan house and court of Pharaoh for 40 years. And when he tries to be a deliverer in his own strength, he is forced to flee for another 40 years out into the wilderness. And finally, when God brings him back to Egypt, he has to stand there before the anger and the resistance of Pharaoh and his court. And then for 40 more years, he must lead God's stiff-necked and rebellious people through the wilderness with all of its inherent dangers around. Where is there going to be water in that wilderness? Where is there going to be food in that wilderness? And the enemies that attack them, boys and girls, do you remember with Aaron and her holding up Moses' hands over the people, Joshua leads them in battle against enemies who are hitting them from the rear end and hurting those who are most disadvantaged. Oh, Moses knows the need for God's safety. He knew the terrors in life, but he also knew the all-sufficient care of the Most High God. What heavenly medicine then for God's people, especially with those with fears and troubles and sorrows in their life, and we all have them. But the Word of God comes and says, Fear not. No matter what the circumstances are that you and I find ourselves in, our God reigns. And there is a secure place for you and I to dwell in, to abide under the shadow of our Heavenly Father. And there we find peace and rest and joy. We are strengthened in our faith. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. So, my theme dwelling in the secret place. Notice, first of all, what is this secret place? Second of all, our dwelling there. And then, thirdly, our satisfaction. What is this secret place? What a beautiful, what a powerful expression of faith here. It is the description of a believer. There's a secret place. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Notice it is one secret place. There's not different secret places where we put our trust, there is the secret place. The secret place. A week ago, my youngest granddaughter said, Grandpa, Grandpa, you got to come downstairs and see our secret place. So I go downstairs with her, and there the three little girls are all huddled Underneath the stairs in the back of a closet, there's a nice space where they could read their books, where they can talk, peace, rest. 
not only for the children, but for the mother upstairs too. So boys and girls, what secret place do you like to hide in or maybe escape? Escape when you think that dad and mom are going to call you to do something. What safe place are there when there's tornadoes going through the land? And those who have no basement, they huddle there in the bathtub. Or others go down in the basement. But what safety is there really when the winds whirl and the whole house is lifted up right off above their heads? Or parents sometimes uh, from the stress in their life want to get away and so that maybe the men go out to the field or the woods to hunt or to go fishing in a boat or perhaps the mothers go to a craft room to sew or a quiet place to read a book Moses was up there on Mount Sinai receiving the law of God from him. He was kept in a cleft of the rock where he could see the backside of God passing by. Overshadowing him was the roof of stone. There the troubles of the people couldn't get at him. He was there with his God. Is the same for you and for me. Later on in verse 2, Moses calls it a refuge and a fortress. Boys and girls, in books you probably have seen pictures of castles with thick walls around them and towers in it and even a moat of water all the way around making it very hard for, a different, for an enemy to come up the walls and attack the castle or the city with big walls. How great a need you and I have for that kind of place where nothing is able to shake us or tear us apart from God's help or presence. To escape from our trials, the temptations and the sins of this world, the problems that we face personally and individually, or the troubles or pains that we have as a family unit, or the pains and troubles that we have gone through together in the last years as churches. What storm shelter do you run to? Where do you run as sinners from the wrath of God against sin? Where do you run from where Satan's darts are being shot at you as he tempts you? Where do you run in the midst of sickness or the death of a loved one? Oh, to dwell safely and securely. It is the secret place of the Most High. And that's where I want you to notice the utter insufficiency of any man-made fortresses. The utter insufficiency of 
any man-made fortresses, for man cannot provide that kind of safety or security. Castles were not unbreakable, and fortresses were stormed and did fall by an enemy. What is our help? The psalmist puts it in Psalm 146 this way. Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. His breath goeth forth, he returneth to his earth. In that very day his thoughts perish. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Insufficiency of man's help. They are creatures of the dust. Their life is like a vapor. And their strength is like mist that's there in the morning and disappears afterwards. What friends are you going to depend upon? Maybe they're friends of you today, but not tomorrow. Come on, boys and girls, you know that in school. How often it happens that there's two or three together, and then all of a sudden the next year, one person turns against you, and they're no longer your friend. Haven't we seen that in the church where we were all friends together, and when strife came, now there's brothers and sisters that can't even talk to one another or visit with one another anymore. No, there is no true help in man. Why, Isaiah 40, verse 30, even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall utterly fall. So where does the psalmist point you and me? He points up. Eyes away from things here below. Lift your head, lift your eyes to the Most High God. That's where our hiding place is. It's a hiding place given by him, and it is a hiding place to us of him. A truly safe place, unfailingly so, because it is the secret place of the Most High, the one and the only true safe place. But now let's narrow our focus a little bit. What is that secret place of the Most High? And you see, it's not really so much a place. Oh, The psalmist is using that figure here, the figure of a place. But that place is really a person. Or should I say, that place is persons. The three persons of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It is God's gracious presence with us. God who is transcendent, but God who is also imminent with us. And oh, he has come close, hasn't he, to you and me in our troubles, in our sins, 
How close does he come? Emmanuel. God with us. He came in his own son. He is our, verse 2, refuge, our fortress, our hiding place. Psalm 31, verse 20. Thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy presence from the pride of man. Thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. What a fortress, what a protection our God is for us in Christ Jesus. Psalm 27, verse 5. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. You see, Psalm 27, verse 5, there is connecting now that hiding place with that Old Testament tabernacle. There in the center of the tents of Israel was the tent of meeting, or the tabernacle, with its outer court. And then there was the holy place where there was the incense burning and the showbread table. And then there was the most holy place, or the, what was called the Holy of Holies. And there in the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant. And on top of the Ark of the Covenant was the mercy seat. And covering that mercy seat were the cherubim with their stretched out wings shadowing that mercy seat. So the secret place is that place where God dwells in our midst. The Old Testament, it was that tabernacle and then the temple in Jerusalem. But in the New Testament age, it is finally our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the antitype to the tabernacle and to the temple. The most high God dwelling in the midst of his people. That's what Moses saw in the Old Testament. That's what he's writing about. God in the midst with that cloud of glory called the Shekinah. Their prayers could be brought to God and God would accept those prayers because of the shed blood on the altar. And only under that shed blood that shed blood that would once a year be put also upon that mercy seat. What is that picturing? It is picturing God's covenantal and gracious protective presence in the midst of his people. How gracious God is. Watching over his children, sheltering his children, Saving his people, loving his people, leading his people, guiding his people, preserving his people. And so now I want to take the Old Testament picture of God in the midst of his people there in that tabernacle to the New Testament. Our secret place, our refuge, is in the embrace of God our Father, 
his presence, his grace, his mercy, his love in Jesus Christ. God, who reconciles us to himself in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus, who left the glory of heaven to come down and to save sinners. To cover them up like he did cover Adam and Eve. And it only came by the shedding of blood, didn't it? And as that shed blood was shed in order to cover Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, so Christ's blood was shed on Calvary's cross so that he could cover us with his righteousness, that white, dazzling garment that allows us to stand in the presence of God. It is Christ Jesus that causes the wrath of God to be averted from us because he bore it himself. It is Christ Jesus who covers us with his righteousness. It's by all of his work that we are accepted by God. What do you think, boys and girls? Don't we have a far better place here in our God, in Christ Jesus, than hiding underneath the steps in the basement? Don't we have a better safe place than the people had behind the walls of fortresses? Or do you remember how those walls of Jericho came tumbling down? And my question to you, to myself, and the question that will come by the elders and family visitation is, do you know this safe place, this secret place of the Most High? Do you experientially know God as your God and your Father? And can you enter into his presence then, welcomed, welcomed as dear friends of God and as his own children? You see, it's God's eternal love that made that place for you and for me. And nothing, nothing can remove you or set you aside from it. Are you overwhelmed by troubles personally as a family as a church family temptations and sins that bombard you darts of the evil one your conscience accusing you pain and sickness suffering we are sheltered as we were sheltered in the past so also we will be sheltered in the future, the troubles ahead. So there is a secret place. It is the secret place, the only secure place, our God in Christ Jesus. That brings me to my second point then, our dwelling there. What does that mean? It means, beloved, that this hiding place, this only refuge, 
this safety, this peace, is there no matter what we face. In other words, this hiding place isn't only opened up for us once in a while that we go there, like underneath the stairs. It's not just for short little visits. When in December or January and it is cold and snowy out, I and my wife like to make a visit down to Florida. But it's that, a visit. One or two weeks, and it's time to go back home again, back to family, back to work. Over against those short visits, the psalmist says, He that dwells in the secret place dwells. He abides under the shadow. And in verse 9, he goes on to say, He makes it his refuge. Psalm 91, I'm looking at verse 9 in your Bibles. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. So the idea here is dwelling. That is in the present tense, not future, not someday when we go to heaven. It's in the present tense, and with the present tense there in the Hebrew, it is a continual presence. Every day, every hour, we dwell there. We dwell there because our God in his sovereign grace draws us near to himself. He draws us to himself, even as he has drawn himself near to us. God is our shepherd who watches over his sheep and his lambs every hour, every day. He never leaves us. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, beloved, that is covenantal language. That's a verb for the covenant. That's the essence of the covenant. Our God and us are not far apart, only talking once in a while or visiting once in a while. No, we dwell together. We live in his presence. We live out of his presence. So it is a permanent residence. Before Christ came, there was this thick veil in the temple. That thick veil separated the inner room of the temple and the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant was. And that thick veil was there because God is very holy and no one can come into his presence. Only the high priest once a year with the blood of the sacrifice. But that veil, this is the gospel, that veil was rent from top to bottom when Jesus Christ was there on the cross of Calvary. What did that picture? That picture not only access 
but also that God draws us to his bosom. He is our Father who loves us and cares for us, will not abandon us. So unlike the fortresses of the world, our refuge is always with us. He goes with us. He leads us. He preserves us. God is with us. Emmanuel, Christ Jesus. What does it mean for you and me in my life that we dwell in God's presence? Well, we need to see what the psalmist sees, first of all, that we are safe, that we are secure there, and therefore there is peace in our life. Don't we find in much of the world today upheaval? Upheaval in persons' lives. Upheaval in families. Upheaval in societies. Even upheaval in the church. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Peace. Safety. We live in the presence of our God, our Father in Christ Jesus, and He is all sufficient for all of your needs and my needs. And did you notice in these first two verses that four different names are given there by the psalmist for that secret place? It is the secret place of the Most High. I will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That's the second name. And then verse 2, I will say of the Lord in capital letters, that's the word Jehovah or Yahweh. And I will say, my God, Elohim. What do those four names say? Why, why all these names? Why is the psalmist piling up those names? And the answer is because of the attributes of our God that are revealed in those four names. He is the most high God. He cannot be breached like the walls of a city can. He is the almighty El Shaddai. There's nothing impossible for him. No one can stand against him. He is Jehovah. That means he is self-existent. He is unchanging. He is eternal. And he is the covenant God. Enjoying that beautiful life in himself and the three persons and now taking you and me and his people up into that covenant life. Yes, my God, he never leaves us. He never fails we are perfectly safe. There's some beautiful hymns that recount some of these ideas. One is, there is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. A place where sin cannot molest near to the heart of God. Oh, Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God, 
holds us who wait before thee near to the heart of God. Does that describe the peace that you have in your personal lives? Does that describe the peace that you have in your family life? Does it describe the peace and unity that we are enjoying here as a congregation? Another beautiful hymn is Safe. Safe am I, safe am I in the hollow of his hand. And Jesus talks about that, doesn't he? That no one is able to snatch him out of the Father's hand. And Jesus says, no one is able to snatch them out of my hand. So let's apply this, beloved. God is our help. May we see that kind of truth in the trials, the difficulties, the sins, the struggles that we face in our individual lives, in our families, and as a church life. We're preserved. Yes, there's many struggles, but it is in the secret place of the Most High. One place the three persons of the Blessed Trinity. I will say, in him I will trust. There's a peace that surpasses all understanding. I am his and he is mine. Abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. What does that mean? Sometimes shadows were frightening, weren't they? I think of Psalm 23, verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, I will fear no evil. There's shadows portray the death that's coming on each one of us. But there's also a godly and a spiritual issue of shadows, isn't there? Moses writing this. For 40 years, they're going to be out there in that barren wilderness with the sun hitting them every day. No, no trees to hide underneath. But, oh, Adam, Israel is kept from burning in this hot sun because by day there is the cloud of his presence over them, sheltering them, and at night leading them by fire. I will abide under the shadow. And another image comes, doesn't it? Verse 4. He will cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. There's the picture of the mother bird or the chicken with its outstretched wings and the little ones all kept underneath it. And especially Moses coming down from Mount Sinai with all the designs for the tabernacle with him. Surely he must think of that holy place of the wings of the cherubim over the mercy seat, which is on the Ark of the Covenant. Kept. Kept by God. The psalmist says, Psalm 17, verse 8, 
Keep me as the apple of thine eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings. Oh, beloved, do you know that truth? Do you know it experientially? How shall we abide there under the shadow of the Almighty? How will we dwell there in the secret place of the Most High? For God is up in heaven and we're down here on earth. It must be kind of like the disciples felt when Jesus was going to be leaving them. And he says, yes, I'm going to be leaving you, but I'm going to come to you by the Holy Spirit. So how do you and I now practically abide under God's shadow, dwell in his hiding place, He, she, who has God as a friend, fellowships with God, walks with God by a living faith. We don't rely upon ourselves, we don't rely upon other people around us, but we rely upon our God and we look to him. How do we abide in him? By taking up his word and clinging to his promises. Read those promises. Read those promises in the morning when you're sitting by the table or getting out of bed. Read those promises again at night when you retire. Cling to those promises. Pray those promises. Do you see, beloved, the importance for this kind of worship, this kind of fellowship in your homes and individually as saints? And as a church, we enjoy this sweet fellowship, this dialogue. God speaking to us from his word, and then we are able to respond, claiming those promises. Lord, you said, I believe it. Wonderful fellowship by a lively faith. Why? Because God has drawn near to us in Christ Jesus. And by his spirit, he draws us to himself. God and us. Beautiful dialogue. Enjoying one another. Is that what your religion means for you? Not just going to church on Sundays, but each day, individually, as families, and then communally, having this dialogue with our God every day, every moment. Psalm 32, verse 7, Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Psalm 119, verse 114, Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy thy word. Or we go to Proverbs 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth to it and is safe. Running to that place in prayer, in dependence, in trust. This God is my God. Under his wings is another song 
I am safely abiding. Though the night deepens and tempests are wild, still I can trust him. I know he will keep me. He has redeemed me, and I am his child. What will God do? What do we read in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 19? Paul writes there to the Philippian church, but my God, yes, Paul knew experientially, my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Do you trust that? Do you believe it? My God will supply all your needs. He's able to because of his riches in glory. Or I think of the Apostle Paul when he is dealing with that thorn in the flesh. And three different times in his life he is constantly in prayer to his God to remove that thorn, probably thinking that he can do more for the Lord without that thorn there. And we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, And lest I should be exalted above measure, Through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this time I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me, and he said unto me. What are those next words? You know it, don't you? My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And how did the Apostle Paul then respond to that thorn in the flesh and God's all-sufficient grace? Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasures in infirmities and reproaches in necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong then am I strong? So what is our satisfaction in this secret place under the shadow of the Almighty? Well, may it be an experiential response. Moses says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. Do you notice all those pronouns there? Moses, as he's going to give instruction to God's people, first of all, experientially says, I know this. This is true for me. My refuge, my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. What a way to go through the day. What a way to go through the week. What a way to go through our years here of our pilgrimage. Experientially. Trusting. He's mine. He's made me his own. And his eternal love. Through the cross of Jesus Christ. His sons and daughters. His family. Can you put your name in verse 2, in the place of those personal pronouns of Moses. 
Can you say, I'll use now my name, Audrey will say of the Lord, God is my refuge, my fortress, my God in him. I, Audrey, will trust. Experiential. Experiential. And parents, you who've been long, longer here in this world than your young children, are you conveying to them how the Lord has been that safety net for you, that sh- the sh- a shadowing of wings over you in your life, through your pilgrimage, encouraging them also to experience it in their lives? And I said this psalm, while it begins experientially with Moses, and while in the next verses he comes to God's people and he talks about how God will save them from all their troubles, now finally ends in verse 14 through 16 with God's speech. God says, because he has set his love on me. Well, it's first of all, of course, Jesus Christ, because you know how the devil even wanted to take part of this psalm to Christ in his temptations, right? Hey, jump off this pinnacle of the temple because, hey, the Lord's going to bear you, the angels are going to bear you up in their hands. It's first of all Christ, but all those who are in Christ. God says, because he, they, set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. And what does the Lord say about our prayers when we're clinging to his promises? He says, when he shall call upon me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Long life, Psalm 90 talks about maybe 70 or 80 or 90 years by strength, but long life, an end, unending life. Not only here in this veil of tears for a little while, but long life forever and ever, his children. Satan cannot snatch you away because God loves us and has made us his own by the cross of Jesus. Do you believe that? Do you have that confidence? Then speak of it, beloved. Speak to your children. Speak to your neighbors what the Lord has done for you. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank thee for this beautiful confession of faith. The faith of Moses. The faith of believers. Not trusting in themselves. Not trusting in things here below. But putting by grace all their trust in thee, finding thee a very present help, a refuge, a high tower, a fortress, our God. We pray as we discuss these things on family visitation, we're able to do that with joy and with confidence. What the Lord has and is doing for us. Amen.